If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Did you know that Outdoor Classrooms improve children's emotional, intellectual, and behavioral development while helping foster the development of creativity, problem-solving, independence, and confidence? The problem is... Overwhelm, fear, and a lack of time can often make achieving any outdoor classroom vision into reality more trouble than it's worth. Did you know that we have a membership community at Outdoor Classrooms? It's the leading training community for educators and parents interested in cultivating outdoor classrooms and creating nature-based curriculum. It's a membership to support, collaborate, educate, and bring like-minded educators together. And it's packed with in-depth practice training and resources for all aspects of planning, running, and growing a sustainable outdoor classroom, plus the community support you need to ensure your teaching gardens achieve their full potential. Today, we have Rusty Keeler with us talking about the adventures of Risky Play. Rusty Keeler is a natural playscape designer and author who, for nearly 30 years, has traveled the world designing outdoor play environments and speaking about the benefits and beauty of saying yes to children's play. Described as a cross between Mr. Rogers and Jerry Garcia. Rusty is the author of multiple books on play and playscapes, including the newly published Adventures in Risky Play, What is Your Yes? He is the co-founder of the social justice initiative called Just Play Project in Ithaca, New York, which works to support all children's right to play. Without further ado, Rusty Keeler. Hello, we have special guest Rusty Keeler here today. Hi, Rusty. Hi, Victoria. Nice to see you. (laughs) And thank you so much for coming. You have been actually a uh, request from many of our circle members in our circle community at Outdoor Classrooms. So you have written several wonderful, wonderful books. I know, um, I think one of your first ones, Natural Playscapes, was one of my Bibles when I, many, many, many Ooh. years ago, which was, I, I think you wrote it, what, in 2008? Right. Um, yeah. So that was a incredible resource for me in the beginning, but you have since written two other books, Seasons of Play and Adventures in Risky Play. Yes. That's and right. uh, so what prompted you to explore Risky Play? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us a little bit about you and Maybe sure, for those that sure. don't know, but then yeah. really risky play is what we really want to dive into. Well, yes, right. We'll go, we'll go deep into that. I am a natural playscape designer 
And so that is, you know, I started off doing playground equipment and then my ideas kind of shifted to more the idea of connecting kids to nature through play and how the environment can support that. And so instead of play equipment, um, I'm really interested in creating environments with hills and boulders and sand, water, trees to climb, gardens, you know, outdoor classroom, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. All, the, all the good stuff. And then it was kind of on my travels. You know, I, I was, I just saw, I've been seeing, you know, all over the years, amazing programs doing incredible things uh, in nature and in nature centers and children doing um, kind of mind-blowing stuff at first, you know, and I'm all for play and risky play and kids really going for it. But I've I've seen programs that just really trust children and mm. let them be still with support around the edges. And I was, so I've been interested also in forest schools where children are outside mm-hmm. in forest or at the beach, uh, kind of all day long and all weather, all seasons of the year, but then also these adventure playgrounds. And and I think that was the big thing that kind of shifted, even kind of taking natural playscapes to the next level for me. Yeah. It was seeing these uh, mainly like European adventure playgrounds where it's the kind of things where kids have it's all loose parts and kids building their own things cooking over fires having animals hammers nails saws building their own tree houses tree forts uh, all that kind of stuff doing risky play but in a kind of supportive environment um, with play workers trained mm. adults who love play understand play and whose main mission in life or in their work life is to support children's play. Wow. And, and let it happen. And often with the least amount of intervention. So I've seen a few, I've interviewed you once before. So I've seen a few images of these uh, play playgrounds and you have actually one in Ithaca at the children's garden. You have the, the, what is it called? It's the anarchy zone. Yeah. The hands-on nature anarchy zone. Which is absolutely amazing. So can you maybe describe these risky play playgrounds in more detail in terms of you've got these play workers, which are cert they sound like they're certified. They go through specific training. Is that is that am I correct in that? Yes, that's right. That's right. Especially in Europe, it's kind of start it's kind of a getting off the ground here in the last uh four, five, six years. Uh, North America, but it's kind of a long traditional career that you can go into and play work wow. and you can get, you know, you can get trained in it. You can get your associate's degree, bachelor's, master's. And I know people who have gotten their PhDs in play, in studying play and how to support play. And so it's, it takes Incredible. on, yeah. And it takes on a really deep look at the, the importance of children's play and, and, when we talk about play, we're thinking about free play, mm-hmm. child-directed play, and where the adults are kind of around the outside supporting it. Yes, stepping in if things get too wild or if they need to for safety, but really trusting the children and doing everything they can to support support yeah. that play. So you'll see things in these adventure playgrounds where uh, it's high heights, all sorts of wacky loose part uh, equipment children doing edgy things both physically and maybe socially taking risks but 
when we take a step back and maybe depending on what your generation is, we remember our own childhoods or the freedom Mm -hmm. that we had. It's really just children being children, kids being kids. Yeah. Um, And especially now with things have shifted, a lot of children don't have that kind of freedom maybe to get dirty, take risks, uh, have their own agency in in their lives the way that they used to or the way that, you know, other generations did where kids were in packs. <laughs> heard, heard them. Yeah. Children talk about it, pack animals, you know, <laughs> multi-ages and yeah. together. And, you know, they're learning and growing and assessing risks for themselves and making decisions on their own. And that's really important. So what's fun about these environments is that you see children doing all that stuff. Here at the Hands-On Nature Anarchy Zone in Ithaca, there's muddy hills and dirty hills and trees to climb and ropes, and they're making their own zip lines and their own crazy contraptions, and there's giant tractor tires, and there's loose boards and loose pads, and and shovels, and giant stumps, and crazy willow things, sculpture growing up, and all, all sorts of opportunity for really anything. Anything for children want to do, like you, you, you never see a bored child mm. in the anarchy zone or in these adventure playgrounds often because there's, it's, it's, it's always inviting them and it's saying yes. And, and the risk is almost just kind of along the edges. Like it, it might be a little edgy if they're, mm-hmm. you know, jumping off boulders and, and things like that. But the goal isn't like, oh, we're doing risky play. The goal is that children are just being Mm. and they're playing and they're being creative or they're collaborating with their friends or they're trying out new things. And, and there is opportunity to take risk, but it's in an environment that children feel like, Oh, this is okay. Like I'm being trusted to make my own decisions. So I can, I can, already hear parents in the back of my head in this, in our very overprotected society. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed Linda McGurk who read, who wrote that there's no such thing as bad weather. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of very interesting to hear her perspective in Scandinavia and then her comparisons to here in the U S but just in terms of, and then parents sort of in, in our very overprotected society, how do you get pushback? Do you sort of talk about risk versus hazard how does that work? Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're wired to protect <laughs> our young. Yes. Right? Like and and that's why we've survived, you know, for all these years as as humans because yeah, we we and we and we don't want children to get hurt. We don't want our children to get hurt or anyone else's. So we do everything we can to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Which is good. That's a positive thing. But our sometimes our imaginations that we're wired, our knee-jerk reactions, the things that we can imagine happening are these bad things. Somehow they can take over the airwaves and yeah. take over our thinking. And then we don't want those things to happen. So we just automatically say no. Or we see a child running with a stick and we immediately think, oh, they'll poke their eye out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, what are they going to do with that? Or it's a weapon or something or or whatever. And in, in one sense, it's amazing the way our minds work and that we're going to protect. And we see that, you know, it's like the lion, you know, in the bushes and we're, we're aware of that or we're, we're hyper aware. But it's kind of gotten us, we've gone a little overboard and it's mm-hmm. kind of gotten childhood in trouble a bit. 
by taking away freedoms or just seeing the negative things, or if that's being reinforced by the, the story that we hear on 24 hour news here and there, you know, or, you know, it could happen across the world. Something happened to a child or across the country. And, and of course that goes right to our hearts. And, and then we hug our babies tighter and we mm-hmm. want to protect them even more, even though we need to actually kind of open our hearts and open our minds and and really think about our communities and and where our children play and how we can put positive energy into these spaces and these mm-hmm. places and our, with our neighbors and our and our children. And so, what we're one thing that we're trying to do, and and that was inspired by these play workers, is to do instead of just risk analysis. You see a child trying to climb a tree or waving a stick around, and we see we just look at the risk. We look at the bad thing. We think, oh. You'll poke your eye out. We don't want that. So we'll say, no, give me that Mm -hmm. stick. But now they're doing risk benefit analysis. Oh, wow. So you're looking at. I love the language. Yes, yes, (laughs) Already. It's like. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's in the way it shifts everything. Yeah, it really does. The mindset. mm -hmm. So you're looking at the risks. We're not, we're not putting our head in the sand and ignoring it. We look at the things that could happen. Okay. You could poke your eye out. You could fall off the log. Um, But. We're also looking at the benefits. Mm-hmm. They balancing on a log. What are the benefits of that? And it could be balance, risk assessment, self-esteem, joy, physical development, you know, mm. muscle development, occupational therapists love that kind of thing. So we're looking at the benefits of that and and the risks, and you weigh those, and then you can make your decision. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. And so I saw that with four schools too. Um, where they're, you know, they're outside, they're cooking over fires, kids are playing in creeks or by the ocean or, you know, climbing trees. And they often will do very systematic, detailed risk-benefit analysis of these things, looking at what are the risks of cooking over the fires for lunch, what are, but what are the benefits, and then what's the management. Mm-hmm. And, and just that idea of knowing that there's positives too, and then you can make your decision. And and so they could put that in a three-ring binder and be official about it. But they're also, and we we as parents or we as educators, we're doing that on the fly. Yeah. We call it like dynamic risk-benefit analysis where you're like, okay, they could fall. So another thing is not people are learning to not step forward, the knee-jerk reaction to step forward and stop it. To have a new knee-jerk reaction when you see a child bouncing on the log or waving the stick is to take a step back. Yeah. And close your mouth. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and and just watch. Like, yeah. Just, okay, what are they really doing? Oh, okay, that stick is not a weapon or they're not being reckless with it. Oh, they're bringing it over to the mud kitchen and they, oh, they needed something to stir with. okay. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't say put that stick down that they're used in a creative way or they they know what they're doing with it or balancing on the log. And so we're practicing that. And and I think with anybody we're thinking about risky play, we don't have to go, you know, you don't have to do super crazy stuff to start having positive impact with your children and them starting to like be able to have that kind of free play. Yeah. It's all like small steps and we can get into that, but just like baby steps, what are the first little things that we can try? Because risky play, play, and children being, that's important for for child development. 
Mm-hmm. It's important for their their spirits, their minds, their bodies, their emotions to be able to take risks, to be able to yeah, have it's yeah, freedoms. Incredible. It makes the first thing that made me think of was I also run a parent-child nature class and it's been wonderful. And one of the kids fell the other day. He just fell on a path and he fell and he cried and and the language that came out of his mom is an, also an educator, so she was right on board. But she, we sort of talked about practicing falling, mm-hmm. and she was saying what a great space this is to. It's a safe space, and she just her language with her child. But it was it also was this message to the child that this is a great place to practice falling, you know. And it just sort of made me feel like, yeah, we're gonna fall, we're gonna fall down, and 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 he's actually gotten to this sort of shake off. I think his mom sort of talked him to just physically learning how to, I fell and then shake it off. So there's this language I think we can actually teach children because I think when kids fall, we're so quick to pick them up. Yeah. And that we don't do that one, 1,000, two, that 1,000. And and even they look at us to see how we're, we're going to respond. Yes. And we do that so quickly. And how can we not do that as educators and parents? And so you, so you're saying to really to to start small and sort of step by step process. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love what you just said about they that they look to us. Yeah. How do we respond? And I've I've seen that lots and lots of times when a child falls, and the caregiver might be like, oh, or the parent, oh, yeah, and, and the child is like, oh, okay, they're upset. Uh, now I'm going to be upset too. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's, that's right. how I, yeah, no, get the, or they fall, they look at the caregiver and the caregiver's like, whoa, whoa, how was that? You okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm okay. Or they yeah. just say like, wow, nice fall. And they can be like a little pride. and Right, right. So, so I think it's up to us in many, many ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so much with play and children's freedom and the things that they can do, it, it it's kind of sad. It's it's not really up to the child. Like the child wants to play. The child wants to go for it. They want to bounce on the wall. They want to try things. They want to push the limits. And they're supposed to. That's that's the natural progress of child development. But it's uh, we adults we're like the gatekeepers. Right. And it's, they can play whenever I see amazing play going on. I, I marvel at the play and, and children's imaginations, but I also marvel at the adult who found their way to say yes to it. Right. And not say no. And that's the tagline of your book. What is, is your yes? What is your yes? yes. I absolutely love that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I interviewed uh, Rhonda Pollock in her program in Nantucket and she was talking about we are a yes environment. Mm-hmm. So it's just pulling that and say, you know, just say really, and I, a lot of workshops that I do, I ask educators to, to t- count how many times they say no throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Just take a day and count how many times you say mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. and be aware, have an awareness of that. Yeah. I, I do workshops with folks about risky play and it is really kind of, the self-reflective practice mm-hmm. of when do you say yes and when do you say no? And so that, like you're saying, keeping track and then asking the question, well, okay, why am I saying no? Yeah. Am I saying no because I think I'm protecting them? Am I saying no because I think it's a rule? 
we're not supposed to, I, I think it's a rule. We're not supposed to climb up the slide. Can we climb up slides? Can kids do that? I mean, I think they should, but I think it's a rule. And, and so, <laughs> so it's like, and why do we say no? Or we think we're supposed to, or we're, if we're with other parents at a pl- public playground, we, we, we have like a fear pressure, peer pressure, fear pressure of like, oh, I'm supposed to be nervous about them doing something, pushing the limits. It's also like, yeah, asking like, well, okay, why am I saying no to this? And it's okay. We're yeah. all we're all in a different kind of spectrum of our comfort, you know, our relationship to risk. But we know it's important for children's resiliency, their grit, their self esteem, and and ultimately for their safety and long term health and safety. We want them to be able to access risk and make the decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Do I want to balance on this long? Do I want to jump off of this boulder? Do I feel comfortable? Yes or no. You know, sometimes we race children. We they we see them doing something, and we're like, "No, don't do that. You'll you know you'll fall." Yeah, right, right, right. But if we just take that couple seconds and just kind of pause, we might see them do it and succeed. We might see them do it and fall, but we also might see them get to that edge and decide for themselves they don't want to do it. And and that is what we ultimately want. We want them to be able to tap. And have a relationship with that inner guidance mm-hmm. that we all have, that inner guidance in, inside that helps us know what we want to do and what we don't want to do, and and that is that's with you, that's with us our whole lives. Yeah. And so yeah, we don't want to rob that. We want to we want to help children develop that. That's fantastic. Little by little. Little by little. So you, in your book, you also did some. A world tour saw a lot of different place skate places and that were enhancing uh, risky play. Can you describe a few of them? You can't. I know you can't go through all of them, but sure, but sure, what it's what, especially ones that inspired you and maybe folks yeah. that are listening that they can take some of those elements and apply it to their spaces. Absolutely. Um, you know, I I've gotten a chance to visit some amazing forest schools. Scotland, New Zealand, oh. where, yeah, in these ancient forests in New Zealand. Oh, my and, gosh. Yes, and they're among these trees and balancing on logs and finding spider eggs underneath, you know, fallen logs and seeing with children and being fully engaged in kind of the natural world, but also taking risks and and then thinking about like, well, we can do that you know, you don't have to have an ancient forest, right? right? It's great. It's nice if you can do that, have that, but it's also our own backyards. And and same with like the adventure playgrounds. I've seen amazing things in in UK and Australia and Germany and Denmark, where there's incredible stuff. Kids building amazing things and and cooking their bratwursts in a frying pan over (laughs) the fire by themselves in in Berlin and, um, you know, having animals and goats and all sorts of stuff uh, and taking risks, but it's, we can do those things in our own backyard and yeah. in small ways. And it doesn't take all this kind of stuff to still have a great impact in children's play and their development. And it's like a cardboard box in your yard, either if it's at school or your program or your own, your own children, start putting the cardboard boxes out. And, yeah. and let the play go a little longer than you might have before. You know, these are those small steps or having, you know, even like giving children 
some shovels and figuring out a, pl- a good place in your backyard where you can dig. You mm-hmm. let them dig. There you go. We did this during kind of COVID times. I had a little whole backyard. You had, uh, yeah, a yeah. dig-a-thon or something. Yeah, I yeah. was going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So just dig. And, and I've been at, I visited schools where there are some gigantic holes in their play area. And they say that the children have been working all year long. Oh. And they're going, whether they're digging to China or who knows. I, I have memories yeah. of digging to China. I'm yeah. telling you, Judson Smith's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. fantastic. Yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated. But it, again, it's that yes. It's like, well, okay, what can we say yes to? And so maybe it's really just as adults thinking, okay, that like you said, keep track of the nose and then think, Oh, what's one of those no's that maybe you could say yes to as a trial, as a trial. It's powerful. It's powerful because it's a whole, for us as educators and parents, it's a whole mindset shift in in really how we wake up in the morning and, and communicate with our children, the words that come out of our mouths. And if we can shift just that one thing, which is taking a no to a yes, and maybe it's not all of it, but it, it's 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 powerful and impactful. And thinking about what else, well, what can we do? Yeah, yeah, and and kind of uh, something you said earlier. You know, if we want um, something that we can be doing, we still want to be active as teachers and parents. You know, okay, we want to be active in this. But this idea that you said about the the difference between a risk and a hazard. Yeah, and I like to think of it you know, quickly. A risk is good, and hazard is bad. And uh, we can think of a risk as something that's a little dangerous and a child might get hurt, but it's something that they see and they can choose to do. So it could be balancing on that log. Okay. It's it's wobbly or I, you know, I want to jump off it, but what could happen? A hazard is something dangerous that could hurt a child, but they don't see it and they're not choosing it. And it's our job to remove hazards whether that's broken play equipment or broken loose part or chunk of concrete in the play area or, you know, who knows what. But that's part of our safety kind of scan. Remove hazards, things that children don't see that could hurt them, so that then they can have freedom to play and to be able to take risks, even risky play. Mm. But they are the one choosing to to jump off that log or to, you know, to balance on it or to dig the hole or to use a tool or to, they can make the choice. So this is a perfect segue into, I have a couple questions from our circle members and I asked them, they actually, one of our members specifically asked, could you please interview Rusty Keeler about risky play? I'm having all these questions from my parents. So you were talking about what risk versus hazard and, but what if they're toddlers? So I'm going to read this specific question. How would you address concerns from parents of toddlers who are still learning how to move, trust their bodies, etc.? For example, I have a lot of parents who come to me concerned about their child climbing everything and worried that they will fall. So they're younger toddlers. They're kind of learning their bodies. We kind of want them to experience that. We don't want to keep saying no to them. How do we talk about that with parents who are fearful? Yes. Yeah. Parents, that's a big piece of the puzzle, the communication, (laughs) how we describe that. And, you know, I have often a lot of people say, well, educators, teachers, early childhood professionals say that, well, with my own children, 
I let them take risks. I let them do wilder things, but I'm, I'm watching other people's children and Mm -hmm. you know, it's my job to keep them safe. And yes, that is absolutely true. But at the same time, as an educator, you understand childhood development. I'm a parent, I have two boys. And so I'm often at a loss as parents are. So we turn to sometimes the teachers for, for guidance. And so as an educator, with that child with you, that might be the place that they are actually getting the chance to take, mm. to push the limits, to be able to stretch themselves in the way that the child is supposed to. Uh, at home, you know, we might be more protective or parents might be a little nervous or we just don't realize because we don't see a child who is three months older or six months older, like, oh, they're fine climbing that tree or they're fine jumping off mm-hmm. that, that log. Um, but we're we're more nervous. So the idea, like, it's very important within a safety, a safety, a safe container with a caring adult for children to take those kind of safe, developmentally appropriate risks. And I've seen it time and time again, where a program will be even toddlers letting children stretch a bit with risky play, still being right there when you need to. And of course, with toddlers, <laughs> you got to watch them because yeah, they'll right. try anything, they'll try anything. <laughs> but letting them stretch and then parents coming in and and seeing that and being like, oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. I'm amazed. I'm speechless. And I didn't, I would, that would have made me nervous, but look, look, the child is doing it. My child is doing it. And then, then they can take deep breaths. And the, so it's almost like the yeses that happen at school in the programs, they can help the yeses happen at home mm. and they can help parents maybe breathe a little easier or think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take Okay, I'm going to take it easier. I'm going to take the three seconds or the step back and and watch. So I it, this is a big topic because another person in our membership asked a very similar question, and it's a little bit it's it's similar but it's a little bit different. So I'm going to actually going to read it. So sometimes we don't consider the play of young toddlers as risky, but when you know that the child you recognize that it is risky. <laughs> So as an educator, you realize that whatever they're doing is risky. Is there something that you could recommend giving to parents of very young children that wouldn't scare them more of an introduction to risky play? So which which is something that you just said was if they can actually see some of the things that are happening in the program, that I feel like it's a twofold question. If there's the educator's a little bit ner- nervous, but also is there something specific that you can give parents to encourage risky play? Well, sometimes it's it's just talking about the benefits. Yeah. And, and that goes on with licensing too. Um, you know, for my book adventures in risky play, part of the puzzle is is parents and part of the puzzle is licensing. Mm-hmm. And often it's that fear of licensing or what we think the licensor is going to say. But if we get back to that idea of risk and benefit, often when we're doing something a little risky with toddlers or preschoolers, and we want to communicate that. We need to communicate why are we doing this? Why are we mm-hmm. why do we have this fallen log in our backyard? And why are we letting children find that? Uh and so you communicate these are the benefits. This is what it it's good for the children because of this. And I'm making decision. I made this decision to let them do this. And so the same thing with parents. The these are the benefits. They're they're bouncing, they're getting strength, they're exploring, there's some science going on. And, and we talk about these, these benefits. And we also talk about, well, how are we managing this? And so maybe with toddlers, 
and, and, and all children are different, how they are in their body, how they are balancing, mm. what developmental level they're at. And so, you know, as an educator, because you know your children, how close should you be? There's that child on that log yeah. and you know, oh, they're good in their body. Okay, they got yeah. this. They've done it a million times. I can stand back and just kind of supervise from a distance. And then there's other kids that you know, okay, they're wobbly <laughs> and I've seen them fall a million times. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna stand close. I still want to give them the opportunity to take those risks, but I'm I'm gonna be make sure that I'm there to catch them or there. hold their hand and everything. Yeah. And so maybe we even think about that with toddlers. Like we know that, okay, we're gonna let you get up on that stump, but I'm I'm right here. Right. And 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 maybe we don't, we're not actually doing anything. Ultimately, it's just your presence and you're, a, you're ready to jump in, but maybe you never have to, mm-hmm. but that you're just there. And, and so it's kind of that balance of being close and moving back yeah. and, and play workers and early childhood educators. You know, often if you're, if you're just supervising and you're ready to jump in, but you're really not physically doing anything. You can still be tired at the end of the day, and as a parent too, because your adrenaline—you're ready, right? You're you're like the adrenaline's pumping in your. Oh, okay. They were fine. They didn't, the tower didn't fall. Yeah, but, yeah. So, kind of knowing where that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. I have another two, two more. Yeah. Uh, our high needs boy requires a lot of sensory input. He is a fan of risky play, and his parents are on board. He's five years old and a big kid, so you can imagine it is bordering on hazard because of his of uh, because of the intensity. Can you recommend something that could that I could give to parents? <laughs> yeah, a log. Yeah, yeah, right. A log. A log. You mean like a physical thing to give them or advice I, to give them? Anything. Yeah, yeah. We're just so, we're just right. So so you had a rough and tumble person. And, mm-hmm. uh, who's just they, yeah they're just kind of pushing the limits and and again like that's kind of childhood's journey is pushing the limits from mm-hmm. one level to the next and next and next and they're supposed to be doing that but different children are different and different children some children are wilder they need that all that extra physical stuff so it's like are there things that you can you know whether it is could they have a shovel and really dig mm-hmm. or is there an do they need to throw stuff or do they need to break stuff or do they need to, you know, that kind of sensory, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of like loose, so loose parts. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So even something like straw bale, like, could you just have a, a mess of straw bales in your backyard and that boy, is it a boy? It's a boy. Yep, yep. Can he drag those around and build steps with them or build a fort with them and jump oh, off of those? Or I love just, that. You know, something that's, it's both We like, have tires also that kids yeah. love to roll around and it's heavy. I mean, yeah. I mean the, I work with the little, little ones. It's a parent child. So they, they're, they're little, but the tires yeah. are wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all different kinds of tires that you can get too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you go to a tire place where you, you know, you buy your new tires, they always have like extra tires in the back. They're like, take as much as you want. <laughs> and yes. And so I, the place I get tires from here in Ithaca is really fun because you just pick through this huge pile. And yes, there's car tires, but there's also truck tires, tractor tires, weird like go kart tires, lawnmower tires, yeah. all sorts of, you know, weird, funny, funny shaped things that you can get. And, and so the, the trick with tires is just cleaning them off 
like yeah. scrub, scrub them first, soap and water. They say it's the brake dust that you want to get off of tires and then drilling holes in the sidewall to let water out. Yeah. So it doesn't collect water. And yeah, so that's like, good, right. You said like good physical thing and, you know, you can build with them and stack with them. And, and that doesn't seem, I mean, it seems like if it's directed energy, it doesn't turn into a hazard. And I feel like that's your message. It's, you know, that you create this, these spaces and let them sort of go, but then you've got these play, play workers and it's, it's, it's fascinating and letting them be children. Mm-hmm. I think we yeah, need to maybe do you make one corner an anarchy zone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can have nice gardens and beautiful areas too, but then maybe there's one corner and then that's the messy wild anarchy corner. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love it. We've one last question. Then I want you to tell us you have some a freebie that you want and where we can find you and all that good stuff. So we are exploring play equity. I'm having trouble with this as some of the children invent group games that leave some children out of the loop because of the risk involved. Any recommendations? Because of the social risk or be- they leave children out because of the physical risk? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking physical risk. Okay. Like I'm just guessing. Sure. I don't know. They might leave some children behind because they're, they can't climb. They don't want to climb. They're not ready to climb. Right. Whatever. I'm guessing. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I'm both for inclusion. I I think this, we're just kind of talking about like including your classmates and, but I mean, there are different abilities and some children can go over the monkey bars and some aren't ready to do it. And I wouldn't personally want to limit the ones that can because there are the children that can't do it. But maybe I would try to encourage like you can be maybe this is one of those times when the adult can be can intervene to still allow the riskier play. But maybe there's like, a you know, multiple ways to get to the end result. Like mm. if, if It is obstacle courses in the climbing, but some of the kids can't climb there. Well, maybe then you set up straw bales that you can top from one to another or the tires that you can until they're ready another yeah so maybe there's multiple ways that you can you can activate or maybe that's when the, the adult steps in and brings children to like another activity mm-hmm. and and then because sometimes those things like the monkey bar is a classic example of a rite of passage right like you're not ready and you can see children doing it but you can't quite do it and you're a little scared to do it but then at some point you try it the first time and maybe maybe you do it or maybe you fall off or maybe you're not ready. And at some point you are ready. And 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 life is about that of you yeah. know, striving and, and finding the time when you're ready. And and we need that too. And and maybe risky play helps with that of of having those rites of passage. And I even think even as you're talking, it sounds like it's a conversation and language that you can incorporate and weave into your village, so to speak. This is the huge log that's in the woods that, you know, when you're ready, we go over it, but it's, but we're still all equal. It doesn't mean that you're better and I'm worse or I'm not ready. It's, it it can also be a conversation and a language maybe in in the community when it's all together. Mm -hmm. And that I think that invites lots of wonderful conversation about where people are at and it's okay. We're still equal just because I can't do that and you can't do that. And yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And it's it's okay to maybe have a hand, hold someone's hand. Yeah. How can we do it together? Yeah. And how can, you know, that's, it's (laughs) so inspired. (laughs) I could talk to you all day long. 
So Rusty, you have amazing books, which I highly recommend that everybody get. I will put all of those links in the show notes. Is there, uh, so your latest book is Adventures in Risky Play and it, and your tagline is what is your yes, which I absolutely love. Where can we find you? What is going on in your world? Uh, tell us everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a website, rustykeeler.com. You can find me there. And, you know, I help people with designs and master plans for natural playscapes. I also just can do remote consulting with people. What would Rusty think about my yard? And we can brainstorm <laughs> how to, you know, take it to the next level, how to add loose parts. Um, I have various classes. I'm cooking up a loose parts um, online class now. I, I'm going to, I'm also planning kind of in the fall an online risky play round table. Oh, cool. we kind of get together as educators and parents and talk about risky play and kind of how, again, our yeses and our nos and how we can say yes more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just put together a really fun free resource about loose parts uh, for the outdoors specifically, an outdoor loose parts list and kind of guide. And it's got like a whole range of, of outdoor loose parts from natural things to like industrial things to weird things. Loose parts you can grow yourself in your oh, garden. Oh, fun. And yes, yeah, also, also all sorts of stuff. So that's fun. And then that connects also to my newsletter. And I'm always putting out fun stuff and fun little videos. Yeah, you just had a great, you like to put little videos and movies out. I think the latest one I watched was, I was ready to spread it to in Beverly here, Massachusetts. I was biking, biking to school. That's right. The bike and that class. was such a good little yeah, video. Yeah, I love it. So that. make sure yeah. you watch his videos. They're very right. inspiring. Friday, Friday, <laughs> Friday fun film. <laughs> Anything else you want to share with our listeners? Uh, I think it, I think this topic is great. I encourage you to to think about it and think about your yeses and your noes. And that idea of starting small, there's a great saying that I, that I love, dream big, start small, and never stop. I love that. That's yeah. perfect. Icing yeah. on the cake. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Rusty. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you set the right goals, then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support of our amazing community. Each month, 24-7, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching boot camp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversation. You get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month. You get access to all our online workshops and masterclasses. You get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and 
you get to become an ambassador of joy for children. I hope you can join us. For the price of one workshop, you get all of this. You get to become a member of our family at Outdoor Classroom. So I hope you can join us. I will share the link in the show notes, and we'll see you later. Come join us.